So Matt, I am just getting back now from having played Mass for the Solemnity of the Assumption. And of course, uh, we sang a variety of Marian hymns, but I got to say the one that uh, the Assembly sang the loudest was probably Hail Mary Gentlewoman. And you know, that should probably come as little surprise to us. I mean, when you think about this song, it's really a one-two punch for a liturgical song. It's got a lovely, very singable and accessible melody. It's got an equally lovely devotional text that means so much to so many people. Um, It really knocks it out of the park. Yeah, and the Hail Mary is such an integral part of our Catholic faith. It is a prayer held dear by so many people. Um, You know, you think of the settings of the Ave Maria that you know, are so special to people, the Schubert Ave Maria, the Bach Gounod. Um, These songs have found their way into people's funerals, into people's weddings, and Carrie Landry's song is no different. The Hail Mary Gentlewoman is uh, used just as frequently as all of these uh, beloved settings of the Ave Maria. So please open your hymnal to Hail Mary Gentlewoman. Gentlewoman, gentlewoman. Quiet light, morning star. Hello, my name is Carrie Landry. My wife, Carol Jean Kinghorn Landry, and I lead the music at our parish, Immaculate Heart of Mary Parish in Indianapolis. I started writing music in 1967 with the song, The Spirit is a Movement. So I've been writing music for 50 years now and have recorded over 35 collections of music. Blessed are you. I actually think that Hail Mary Gentlewoman began when I was a child. I grew up in southwest Louisiana on a farm in a little town which was not actually a town but an area called Leroy, Louisiana. And when I was a child there was a huge movement to the family that prays together stays together was the theme of that movement at that time. And so For our family, it was praying the rosary. What I remember most about it was that my father would let us sit for the first decade, then we had to kneel for the next three decades, and then we got to sit down on the last decade. And for us, for me as a child, (laughs) the relief of being able to sit down after kneeling for three decades of the rosary was was very important. But it it was a practice that ingrained within me uh, a a love of the Blessed Mother. The idea of the presence of Mary in my life uh, has been extremely significant. When I came to write Hail Mary Gentlewoman, it was actually almost a, a burst It began on the Feast of the Assumption in 1973. I was literally driving home. I was driving back to Indianapolis to visit with Carol Jean from Cincinnati where we were involved in a recording. And um, all of a sudden, I think I began for some reason to think of Mary in terms of my own mother. And because she was a very, very gentle, quiet light, quiet spirit. Um, she was always in the background, always in the background. And um, I, just, I just felt a certain urging 
to begin to write. And literally while I was driving, the, the words of and the melody of the refrain came to me. The emphasis I was trying to make was on Mary as a real person. There were so many songs of Mary that were so flowery and that it, it, it didn't seem to convey her as a real person. And, and that's, why, that's what I was trying to convey with Hail Mary, Gentlewoman. The, the idea that, that she is a person of strength, that she is a person uh, of, of quiet peace, uh, uh, that, that sense that, that all of these characteristics of women today, and, and that's why there is that line, blessed are you among women, but then blessed in turn all women too. And that was, that was, that's important to me, and it was important for me to convey in that song that it is not only Mary who is blessed, but all women are blessed. And, um, and we know that, that women, unfortunately, have had a very secondary place in our church. And it's, it's, I think things are getting slightly better, but it's, gonna be, it's gonna be a long way before there's any kind of real equality of, for women in the church. But um, that was what I was trying to say, that, that Mary is compatible with women because she, she suffered the way all women do, um, and she, she need not be spoken of only in the flowery language, but she can be very real, and that was my point. I think it's important, Zach, that we take a second to emphasize what Carrie was just talking about. When you look at the history and development of Marian hymns and songs to Mary, this really stands apart, Hail Mary, Gentlewoman, because the text and the imagery that's used to describe Mary really changes. And it's that more personal, familiar, maternal nature that resonates with so many people. Yeah, I think a great part about the, our Catholic faith is that we have these great human examples um, of the faith in, in the saints. And uh, when we look at these kind of human aspects of these people or the, the human aspects of Mary, for instance, um, I think we develop um, a better relationship, um, a more personal connection uh, with these people. I agree. And, you know, when I consider this song and its place in history, and I think of the generations of Catholics that have grown up singing this song, I remember singing this song as a child. And I couldn't help but think how Carrie Landry's portrayal of Mary as a gentlewoman, a quiet light, as opposed to a holy queen enthroned above, how that automatically shapes and forms our own view of Mary and the Marianology of generations. Yeah, and of course it's not to say that one perspective is more correct than the other, but I think, you know, as we form our perspectives and our views of Mary, I think it's important to reach for it all. I've always been curious about the fact that uh, the way that the song begins with the Hail Mary, 
I feel like the melodic content is uh, very different than uh, the refrain and verses that come after. So I was uh, very curious to ask Carrie about this. What was interesting about Hail Mary Gentle Woman is that only six months later did I put the Hail Mary to the hymn Gentle Woman. And it was only because of what someone suggested. I had written only Gentle Woman, Quiet Light, Morning Star, Shining So Bright. And I had not yet thought of it in terms of Hail Mary, but then somebody suggested that if we were able to put the Hail Mary and couple it with Gentle Woman, that it would make it a fuller and complete song. And I think that's why it has, it has been so important to so many people, because it, the, the prayer itself is first, and then comes the Gentle Woman. And uh, that was quite significant, because what I, what I wanted to make sure was that I was writing the Hail Mary totally compatible to what I'd written with Gentle Woman. I'd completely finished Gentle Woman with the verses, but then I was, wanted to make sure that we had the Hail Mary that would be compatible to the point of simply flowing into Gentle Woman. And that's, that's the way it, it all came about. I'm so glad that you asked this question of Carrie Landryzak because I can't believe that the text of the Hail Mary was not in the original version of this song as Carrie conceived it. To, to me, it's such an integral part of the piece that to find out it was added some six months later uh, was really unexpected. You know, this this was particularly important for me. My family was not... My family did not have a particular Marian devotion like some families do. And so I remember as a child learning uh, the Hail Mary by singing uh, the beginning of that song. And I think it's important to recognize that this was one of the earliest um, attempts at putting these words on the lips of the assembly. I mean, I, I can't be sure how, you know, if it was, you know, one of the earliest but it's definitely the one that has stood the test of time. And it's surprising not just because it's one of the earliest, but to me, it's one of the few settings of this critically important text, the Hail Mary, that is intended to be sung as a congregation. And not just sung by the congregation, but sung by the congregation in English, in the vernacular. And that, that's really surprising to me because most of the most popular settings of the text of the Hail Mary or the Ave Maria are not intended to be sung by the community. Dan Cantor's Ave Maria certainly is, but the Bakuno Ave Maria is not, the Schubert Ave Maria is not, the Bibel Ave Maria is not. And so for a text that's so important to the congregation and to so many people, the lack of settings that have become as ubiquitous as Hail Mary, Gentlewoman, uh, was something that I wasn't expecting. I absolutely agree with you. I think, you know, it's important for us to have uh, this setting that allows the entire assembly access to singing the Ave Maria. But I will um, take just um, a, a quick exception. Uh, there is a video that, you know, I would point our listeners to of Bobby McFerrin where, and he does this in his concerts where he sings uh, the C major Bach prelude and invites uh, the entire audience 
to sing uh, the Guno Ave Maria, and they sing it, and it is beautiful. Now, I'm not recommending that we do this in our assemblies, but I think it speaks to, you know, just how cherished uh, the words of this prayer are to so many people. I think Carrie's music is really characterized by his approach to crafting beautiful, simple melody, uh, the kind of melody that really sticks to your bones, the kind of melody that is immediately singable uh, by assemblies. I believe it's the simplicity of my, of my music that has been the characteristic of it. And I realize I get criticized for its being oversimple in many, by many uh, musicians. And, and I, I accept that because I grew up in Southwest Louisiana and the music that I grew up on was the Cajun style music, which was a very simple music, but it spoke directly. And that's, my, my, that's been the whole point of my music, you, to speak directly to the Lord, to help people to simply pray with words and music. And, and that's what Hail Mary does, I believe. It allows a person to, to pray in a very special way to our Blessed Mother. When I was studying at Catholic University, I never took a class from him, but I would do the music when Father Eugene Walsh was the celebrant. And Gino uh, really became, for me, my mentor. Uh, and what did he say once, but that music for the church needs to be prayerful, provocative, and singable. And those were the three characteristics that have, that have always guided the right, my own writing of music. I want to be able to say something that moves people, that, that, that just isn't trite words. Has always been the key for me uh, to, to write music that people can sing. I just, I, I can't, I can't write erudite music. I can't write, and, and, and I'm not trying to criticize that music. I'm saying I just can't write it. But I can write songs that people truly love to sing. And that, that means simplicity of chorus so that the chorus is not so filled with words that you get lost in the words, but that the chorus becomes, or refrain, becomes a compact structure that, that, is, that says a lot within a few words, but one that is compact enough even for people to memorize. And that, that has been the key to so much of the music of the original Glory and Praise, is that people not only sang it in church, but they sang it in their cars, they, had, they bought the CDs, they had the music playing on trips, and so many people have told me over the years how much the high God 
CDs, and well, it was recordings back then, but when the CDs came out especially, how it just kept everything so much more calm in their cars when they were traveling, you know, for example. So, but it's the idea that this music becomes part of our lives, that it is not just what is sung, it is not just sung in church, but becomes a part of our lives. And I think that's where the singability, and to me, singability has to have a certain kind of simplicity in order for people to sing it. For me personally, it was such a joy to sit down and chat with Carrie Landry because I can remember as a child in my parish elementary school um, using the what we called the butterfly books, the, the glory and praise for children hymnals um, at all of our school masses. And the great number of his songs, the songs of the St. Louis Jesuits and others that we sang at our liturgies. And I mean, frankly, we just, we just sang the hell out of these songs. And they were so important to us because they were simple, like we've talked about. They were accessible and they were a part of our lives, like Carrie mentioned. But that vividness of text was something that I, as a child, could could understand. I could understand as a second grader what you know, like a sunflower that follows every movement of the sun meant. I could picture that, and it it meant something to me spiritually and theologically. And so it occurs to me that, you know, from a formational and educational standpoint, the music of Carrie Landry and the music of the St. Louis Jesuits as a matched set is so powerful for this time period in the church, post-Vatican II, for both teaching the singing assembly scripture and familiarizing ourselves with scripture, but also adding in this other vivid imagery that really shapes the way we think about our spirituality and our theology and ourselves in relationship with God. So I think that Carey's intentional focus on simplicity of music and his intentional focus on music for children is really critical for how our church sings and prays today. I, I have to, to say, first of all, the greatest gift of my life has been Carol Jean Kinghorn Landry. And um, we started working together in 1972. And she was a first grade teacher in Indianapolis, Indiana, just having uh, graduated from Butler with her master's degree in education. Um, and she was teaching at St. Thomas Aquinas School. And she was teaching first graders. And what was fascinating to me when I finally came, got to meet her, was that she was using songs like Only a Shadow with first grade children because it helped them to be deeply quiet. It helped them to pray in a manner that uh, they were not used to, but became used to, very used to. That began a journey uh, that is literally become our life. And, um, and it's, it's all because of what she had created. It is so um, encouraging and such an honor for me and for us together to hear that story that you just told, because uh, that is what our hope is always, that this music will, will generate a germ, a seed, that gets planted and that gets nourished. It's that it's the song "Bloom Where You're Planted," and it is uh, some plant the seeds that others will water, 
but in all things God gives the growth. Come, let him garden the flowers within you. Come and discover those you've never known. And so it was, we were always trying to put words that had meaning not just to children, but to adults as well. And the butterfly hymnal that you speak of, it became the hymnal for schools and for catechists. And, and so to us, um, my journey into children's music with Carol Jean really was the beginning of my ministry. I don't think my music would have gone that far if I had not gotten with and, and be, been able to partner with Carol Jean in the writing of music for children. Bloom, bloom, bloom where you planted. You will find your way. Bloom. Our time and conversation with Carrie was really special and was really blessed. And he himself is such a gentle and quiet light that to be able to spend some time speaking with him about his music was was really a joy. It was also really moving for me to hear him talk about the ministry that he's engaged in now. He has been for decades um, involved in chaplaincy at a local hospital, and in particular working with patients in hospice care, where he prays with and sings with people who are in their last days and hours. And we felt really strongly that it's important that we share some of Carrie's current ministry with you now. I've It's been a long journey for me, and um, after being a priest for 12 years, I never ever dreamed that I would be able to do ministry at the level that I'm being allowed to do ministry in the Catholic Church today. And that's all because of chaplaincy. It has become for me... Uh, almost like like a parish in a sense. Um, I'm able to not only pray with people daily and minister to them. Um, this week, I've you know been ministering with a woman who has stage four cancer. And, um, and there's something extremely painful about that in, in, in being able to minister uh, with a sense of compassion, uh, with a deep sense of empathy, uh, but mostly supporting that journey. Um, I spoke to a man a week ago, and the, the first thing he told me after we had spoken a while was, I, I've wanted to commit suicide. And, and being able to deal and, and to be able to, to listen to uh, to get behind what is, why this is going on in his mind, what is the incredible loneliness, the incredible um, feeling of futility that he has because he's been suffering for so long and it's been so painful for so long. These are just examples of a ministry for me uh, that has been very precious, that is very precious, uh, it's a ministry that encompasses not only being able to, to minister to people on a daily basis through prayer, support, 
counsel of various, in various ways and to be able to, 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 to meet and support so many people who are non-churched. There are so many people today who have a seat of faith and a certain spirituality but are non-churched. And uh, I'm, I'm always amazed at how, how much they appreciate prayer and counsel without, uh, we are never allowed to, uh, to sort of evangelize in any way or try to, uh, uh, try to get people to your church or proselytize or anything like that. Uh, but the sense of being able to meet someone where they are and to be able to take them as they are. I was asked, invited to pray with a Muslim couple about two months ago. And I asked them, I, you know, I said, I want to respect your way of praying. I'm a Christian. I believe in Abba, you believe in Allah. Uh, but may I still pray? And they said, oh yes, we want you to pray. And so I, I prayed a very general prayer. And when I finished praying, they were so grateful. And the patient's husband said to me, all roads lead to God. And I will never forget that statement. That coming from someone who is of a totally different faith, but not totally different because we are still believing in the one God. And, um, and that, that all roads lead to God was, will remain ingrained within me. We have a song called This Sacred Journey. It's on a collection called O Healing Light of Christ. And every one of the songs on O Healing Light of Christ is, came out of my, my ministry as a chaplain. And so they're songs of healing, they're songs of grief. And this sacred journey, I will hold your hand, I will dry your tears, I will stay with you until your fears subside. Never will you be Alone against the night, gently I will walk this sacred journey with you. And that's the, the theme of the song, that, that we are walking a journey together. And it's a song that has been used especially uh, with patients in, the, in hospice who are walking a final journey. And it's those who are walking with them that are saying, never will you be alone against the night. Again, the imagery of what night means to so many people. Gently, I will walk this sacred journey. At times, we'll pray together. At times, we'll laugh and sing. At times, We'll pray together. At times, we'll laugh and sing. I'll sit with you in silence. I'll listen when you speak. 
I will hold your hand. I will dry your tears. I will stay with you until your fears subside. Never will you be alone against the night. Gently I will walk this sacred journey with you. And so, so much music has come out of this ministry and there are so many times when I will use music, not uh, haphazardly, but with intention and with a sense that it would be good for this person or this family at this particular time. Hail Mary. And now, here's a recording of Hail Mary, Gentle Woman in its entirety. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now. And at the hour of death, Amen. Gentle Just wisdom. 
Thank you for listening to the Open Your Hymnal podcast. Hail Mary, Gentlewoman is published by OCP. The recording you heard was released by OCP on the album All Is Well With My Soul. Links to this material and other resources can be found at our website, openyourhymnal.com. We'd like to specially thank Carrie Landry for this interview. Production assistance and support was provided by Rick Modlin and OCP, and Stephen Petronek and the National Association of Pastoral Musicians. You can find important digital resources for music ministry at NPM's new website, www.npm.org. If you aren't a member yet, sign up today. Be sure to follow Open Your Hymnal on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you haven't yet, you can subscribe to this podcast through iTunes and through Google Play. Our next episode will feature an interview with composer Dan Schutte and his song, Here I Am, Lord. And one day, one of my fellow Jesuits came knocking on my door and said, Dan, I have a favor to ask of you. So I said, okay, what's, what's the request? And he said, well, I'd like you to write a song. I'm in charge of the liturgy for the ordinations. I'd, I'd like you to write a song for the preparation of gifts. He probably saw the, the look of shock on my face because he was coming to me on Wednesday and the ordinations were on Saturday. For Open Your Hymnal, I'm Zach Stahowski. And I'm Matt Reichert. Thanks for listening.